Hello and welcome to This AFL Life. Um, I've worked out that this is actually now season six of This AFL Life. I am your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by my co-hosts, Rachel Hibbert. Thanks for having us back, Alison. And Susan Cadman. Yes, I concur. Thank you very much. Now, we are just days away from the 2021 AFLW season. It's weird. Like, it feels like it's just like all of a sudden here. Yeah, it was not there and suddenly here it is. Um, It's been the craziest of times. (laughs) So, the last, what, when's it, ten months, nine months since everything got shut down rapidly. Um, It's sort of almost unbelievable that we're actually playing footy again, Mm. um, considering. So, yeah. Crept up on us like Meg Mac coming out of the back line. (laughs) Bang. Um, So, we are recording this on Tuesday the 19th of January, um, ahead of the season opener, which will be on the 28th of January, a Thursday night. Um, We are once again recording in the club rooms at AH Cap Reserve, uh, Caddy and Hiba have just uh, finished training. Now, I just want to mention there was a 2K time trial tonight and Hiba, you knocked off 28 seconds of your personal best. Well done, Hiba. I saw it. I recorded it down. Yes. It is correct. She has mm-hmm. absolutely annihilated her previous PB. New knee, new year, not new me, <laughs> but... Good job, little legs. Yeah, that's bloody amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much. If anyone wants to like and share and subscribe me, that's that's great. <laughs> well, we were joking before, Caddy, that this is basically the Hibber show. So, <laughs> I just my job is to just nod and say the occasional mm, mm-hmm, mm. and laugh at your jokes. <laughs> What's wrong with my jokes? <laughs> I'm here to laugh at them. <laughs> it's no not forced. It's not forced laughter. Okay, let's get down to business. Uh, there were some practice matches on the weekend. Did you guys uh, tune into the results at all? I did. Mm. Yeah, I did have a look at um, who'd played and under what conditions. And uh, I can't say there are any surprising results, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think with practice matches. What you see is what you get and the scoreline, I guess, adequately tells you how a team went on the park on the day. So nothing surprising on from my end other than the scoreline at three-quarter time between Western Bulldogs and Richmond before the Western Bulldogs came firing yes. out of nowhere. Something that I found interesting was that Adelaide kicked 221. I did not see that. Twi- yeah. Two twenty. At quarter time, they were one goal ten. Are you sure it wasn't two super goals, two goals, <laughs> and then a point? Two twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I feel for the Giants. What a time they've already had. Um, no surprises that they may have come out a bit flat in that game. With they're playing in Adelaide, who are firing. They pretty much had everyone playing. They've got their big names back from injury. Um, and they're coming up, you know, flying in to play a game in the morning, you know, morning of the game or whatever it was. And the poor Giants are being sort of stuck in an endless bubble um, with no no end in sight and, you know, having to leave. They'll put their lives on hold a hell of a lot 
sooner than anybody else in the whole league. So um, whilst I, I do think Adelaide are definitely the team, one of the teams to beat with one, with everyone back, um, I really feel for the Giants um, right now, to be honest. And I think that scoreline probably reflects how they're feeling and where they might be at this very point in time. Yeah, I think you make some really good points there, Caddy. And I, like, I don't think anyone's really been talking about it. But you know, what what conditions are they are they actually having to operate under? Like, in a moment's notice, they were told they all had to relocate to Albury, and then they've been. I think weren't they originally told that they were going to maybe hub in Melbourne, and then they've mm. been shunted off to Adelaide, like. And I guess, the, yeah, like you said, the most concerning thing about this is that no one is talking about it. And if it were a Melbourne team, we would 100% know about it. People would be up in outrage. But because it's GWS and the limelight hasn't been on their current situation. So between Christmas and New Year's, they yeah, were told that they had to pack up their lives and um, hub for the next month. Indefinitely, really. Indefinitely. I think. No one was under any illusions that it was going to be a short-term, um, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, thing. And so they flew to Albury where they stayed for two weeks in the hope that the Victorian government restrictions would let them in because they'd been in a regional New South Wales town. And even though the borders did open, I, I think it was the AFL didn't decide to send them to Melbourne but in se- instead sent them to Adelaide. So they flew from Albury to Canberra, where they were to fly directly to Adelaide. Their flight got cancelled in Canberra, so they stayed the night in the airport hotel and then they flew to Adelaide where they played a practice match. So whilst the hub might be keeping GWS out of the hotspot of Sydney, it just means that they haven't actually been able to keep and hang on to their support staff um, because obviously... Doctors and physios have other jobs um, given the part-time nature of the roles and they've had to go home. So I guess that's another factor in making the players' continuity almost completely gone, to be honest, Mm. because they don't have their normal support staff touring with them indefinitely. Mm. Yeah, so... mm. Yeah, I mean, I assume the thinking behind sending them to Adelaide was to get them to Perth. Um, considering the sort of lack of COVID restrictions that happen in South Australia. But um, that doesn't seem quite right still. It doesn't – we aren't talking about AFLM plays here. You know, they're paid the big bucks to basically put their life on hold. These are people who have had to to leave their jobs. You know, in AFLW season they do this, um, but they've also had to do it way ahead of time, Um, you know, they're really having to put their lives on hold and they did it at a moment's notice. Like it's just really, really tough. And I think – I hope that every, anybody listening, if you do know Giants players or um, friends and family of Giants players, do make sure you reach out because I think we should all send them a bit extra love, especially at this time ahead of the season, which still holds such an uncertain future. You know, round one, they're not even sure round one's going to look like it does right now. So I just think – Please, that we can sort of shed a bit of light on what's happening in the Giants and make people think about it. Um, and I think really, like, you nailed it there, Hiba, saying if that was a Melbourne team, it would be, yeah. it, it would be absolutely everywhere. So just um, thinking of you Giants, 
um, players and support staff and families and um, hope that you guys get to go home soon. It's mm. been already been a long, a long season and <laughs> still a few weeks out before the start. It's been a long 2021. So, so just to be clear, like for the for the match day, they obviously had all of the match day uh, necessary roles filled, obviously, because they, they had a quite a serious injury. So they obviously did have doctors and trainers and, and physios, etc. But mm-hmm. it's not the usual suspects, usual staff that they no. would have done all of pre-season with and have a Correct. relationship with. Correct. I, I just feel for them. I just think that uh, – and people like – the support staff would love to be helping their team. That's what they have been doing for the last year plus. And so it would be really hard on them knowing that they had to leave their team to go and live their lives back in Sydney. Same thing for, you know, Lou Stevenson is back in Sydney pursuing her career Mm. um, away from her teammates. So, yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted to shed a bit of light on what's happening. And and also, like you were saying, you know, we probably – really need to think about the human side of it because, it, you know, this is a team obviously also that's still, in, you know, is experiencing significant amount of grief in losing a, a teammate. Plus they've been thrown into this situation after after this absolute dumpster fire of a year that we've had last year. So, yeah. Just reach out. That's, it, yeah, I think if you know anyone in the Giants camp, reach out to them. Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, it was interesting like, you know, last year when – Melbourne was in lockdown and most of the other states were out of lockdown and they brought in training protocols and they had to be in line with, you know, the Victorian restrictions so that no one got a head start. But then that's all gone out the window now because people, like, teams have fully training, got their full support staff. That's so you know, true. They're yeah. humming. Yeah. And now GWS are, mm-hmm. you know, out in Siberia on their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. It's an interesting situation and hopefully, like, hopefully, oh, I just really hope that they get some nice normality soon, but I don't see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, for the season ahead, let's just um, spare a thought for yeah. the Giants and what they're going through and that they're pretty much the only team that is. Under such restrictions and, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, we love you, Giants. Yeah, we do. We love the Giants. Big, big sound. <laughs> Um, there was also a, a suspension that came out of that game. Uh, Emily Marinoff has actually copped three-week suspension for front-on-contact with um, their first gamer, Bridge Stack. Yeah, I think that's one of the longest suspensions in that A4W ever, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's a pretty – I mean, we always talk about this, the length of the season and how suspensions and injuries can, you know – that's a third of her season gone pretty much, um, three weeks. Yeah. Um, that being said, I guess they take into account the severity of the injury, which was very awful and traumatising, I think, for anybody who was anywhere close by the sounds yep. of things. Mm. Um, and obviously first gamer, um, literally first game of AFL mm. coming from, from Ireland with a, with a, you know, with a family, with mm. a um, – I think that I assume the Crows will challenge it. At this point, it's just come out that yep. it's happened. Um, that being said, I find head knocks and vertebrae injuries absolutely terrifying. And if it st- if it sends a message to tell people to protect the head, then, you know, yep. I think 
uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. And also, I mean, but also getting back to the the Giants players, I mean, that's that's another knock. Literally. That's yeah. fucking traumatizing seeing someone get carted some, off. Yeah, with their you know the neck, neck in a brace. Yeah, and straight to hospital. Yeah, like if like they haven't already been through enough. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how that um, suspension plays out. But just to reiterate, where our thoughts are definitely with Brid. Um, some more positive news, though. There were some ACL returns Yay. on the weekend and they all got through unscathed, which is great news. Just knocking some wood. Oh, yes, that's important too. Um, Chelsea Randall, obviously, also just been named outright captain mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of our favourites, uh, Maddie G for Carlton, got through. Up the baggers. So Tani White, St Tani Kilda. White, yeah. Uh, and I can never say her name right, but n- non... Bertouche. Bertouche. Bertouche? Von Bertouche. Von Bertouche. Oh, yep. Also from St Kilda. Um, I think Hannah Button, also from the Crows, uh, she got through her game unscathed too. Oh, look at that. Awesome news. I just thought, um, speaking of Adelaide and Chelsea Randall coming back from her ACL, as we've all seen, Erin Phillips has stepped down as co-captain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Chelsea Randall is now flying solo. Yeah. Uh, which is very exciting. The Crows have never had a individual captain them before. Mm. So I'm sure no one's surprised that it's going to be Randall, but also a big, you know, that's a big, big news story, I think, that she's she's taking that on her own. So I think good luck to her and no, no doubt Erin Phillips is still going to be very much involved in the leadership stuff because I think that's just who she is. So yeah. I can't imagine her taking too much <laughs> of a step back, but yeah. Also um, leads me into talking about a couple of the other group uh, leadership groups and captains. You know, for for the most part, I think teams are starting to stick with their captains, which I love. I think, um, in my opinion, over the last couple of seasons, there's been a bit of chopping and changing between the captains. And I don't think that is the right, perhaps I haven't been the quite the right fit, but I really do think if you want a successful team, you need to really stick with your leaders. And I think that chopping and changing can be really... It just shows a bit of a lack of trust or, you know, something like that to the rest of the squad. So I'm really pleased to see um, a lot of the leaders staying put. That being said, there's been a couple of leadership groups in particular that have been uh, expanded. Um, We heard, I think yesterday, the Suns have announced a pretty new-looking leadership group. Mm. Great news story with friend of the program, Sarah Perkins, jumping straight in there into the leadership group which is pretty incredible. She's only been up there well, since mm, three months. Yeah, two months or a bit over two months. It's, she's obviously had such an impact. That experience and that voice around the pack has obviously mm. been really, really valuable for the for the squad. So it's great that she's been recognised with a formal position as well as um, one of Canberra, Canberra's own Hannah Dunn, which is pretty exciting news for ACT footy. Um, has been named one of the co-captains. So Dunny's had lots of experience in captaining football in her time, um, has been around the traps a little bit, and I think is really exciting that she's been put in the group. Um, and another friend of the program, Stano, also in the leadership group. Honestly, I think maybe mm. I'm going to call it, they're probably my favourite leadership group. 
Yeah. Oh. In AFLW. I'm going to I'm going to call it right now. I think they have and they've got that consistency with Stano and Virgo having That's been right. in the inaugural leadership um camp last year. So Leah Kasler's not in in it this year. Um who I'm not sure why, but I do think a couple of fresh faces um with such a young group as well, maybe they've done that so that there is a few young leaders coming through the ranks as well who get the experience from the older heads. Um, Perko brings a, a whole other dimension coming from the Victorian program and um, Hawthorne as well did an excellent job um, developing her as a as a player and a leader. Um, I think she spoke to that as well, saying that that's where she really felt she grew her um, leadership skills. Um, Stano brings with her obviously last year's Gold Coast best and fairest as well. So that's just a physical on-field presence as well as um, an emotional intelligence and leadership that Stano provides. Um, She engages with all different ages of people as well. So I think they're going to be competitive. Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. Um, Speaking of leaders. Oh, big one. Megan McDonald, new captain (laughs) Of the Geelong Cats, former co-host of This AFL Live. Privileged to be here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Big shoes. Big, <laughs> big shoes, as we talk about often. <laughs> Who am I going to captain? <laughs> well, probably an expansion team. Side lakes. <laughs> what is it? Expansion team. So, yeah, possibly... Yeah. Essendon. Essendon or Hawthorne. Hawthorne. The Darabin yeah. Falcons. Port Adelaide. <laughs> oh, Port. Sydney Swans. <laughs> I'll go Sydney. I reckon they've got the best song out of everyone there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm. So Sydney, if you need someone, just call out. And also another team that have um, some new inclusions in their leadership group is the Tigers. Um, I think we really briefly touched on it last um, episode, their recruitment that they've done. And I think that really the leadership group just proves that they've nailed that. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, Sarah Hosking comes straight in to vice-captain. And Harriet Cordner also joins the leadership group. Yep. As long as a couple of um, experienced heads. Yeah. So a couple of big names in that leadership group to support Katie Brennan. I think it's fabulous, and I can only imagine the impact they're having on the group. And I've, um, I have heard around the traps that the Richmond team have definitely lifted from last season or whatever. Yeah, last year. Um, and that has been driven in particular by some of these experience that's been brought in and yep. the standards on the training track have been lifted uh, as a result. And I think I'm really excited to see the impact on game day um, of those leaders coming in. Yeah, for sure. I also think that expansion and the leadership opportunities provided. So the likes of Harriet um, at Melbourne was kind of, she was perhaps maybe slotted into the shadows of some older heads who took the reins from the get-go. So those expansion clubs and the ability, like Gold Coast, like Richmond, for younger leaders to come through and make a really big difference um, is awesome. And I saw it. Yeah, I agree, Caddy. I love to see those those heads in those positions. And um, the, the consistency of having KB at the front as well will be good for them, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really hope Richmond um, – get out of their season what they've been putting in on the track. So, mm. yeah, all, all kudos to them. Yeah. And that the, the addition of those experienced players as well, like that gives Katie a bit of a chop out yeah. too in terms of, you know, shouldering all that responsibility. Yeah, I agree. 
And just lastly, the old heads down at the Demons, <laughs> uh, Daisy Pierce and Paxi continue on to lead, but I think in a sign of the times down at the Demons, and we talked about their focus on development, um, they've again brought in a whole bunch of youngsters to be uh, a supportive leadership group. And I think that's fantastic again for the set, for the reasons we've already mentioned. So um, really love seeing formalised leadership groups and I don't mind the big groups, you know, like a footy, mm. a footy squad's pretty big and it's a lot for a captain and a vice captain to, to hold. And I think these leadership groups do give um, particularly younger players or even some of the older players who, you know, they've got a lot to give to and I think it's really – um, really good to have a big group to really drive standards and drive the team where they want to go. So it's exciting. Um, I know it sort of seems it's not maybe not to some, but I really like seeing the every year the leadership groups that come out. And like I said, really pleased to see some consistency and in, in particularly in those sort of captain vice captain roles. I think it's really good. Yeah, and yeah, adding to that consistency is the likes of Juddy in. Fremantle and Zilks in Brisbane and Chotch at Collingwood. Um, the consistent leadership um, has has seen them do really well on field and off field and create a club culture that's, I guess, meant they've been quite successful throughout the last five seasons. So speaks, yeah, speaks wonders to having a consistent, um, powerful, empowering rather leadership group. Um, also adding in Chelsea Randall to that, obviously, because uh, she's also been captain with Erin Phillips for the last few years and so she'll be standalone this year. But, um, mm. yeah, I, I just think it's something to be said for character and trust in your leadership group too. So, interesting. It is. Um, so, just are you guys traditionalists or, like, do, do you prefer to see a standalone captain or, or are you in favour of co-captains? I like a standalone captain and a standalone vice-captain with a leadership group support. Yeah. I really think that's a really good model. It's interesting this co-captain thing is becoming more and more a thing, isn't it? Like mm. who was it in AFL-M who had uh, – I don't know. I just I just think sometimes it – I know that people are really good friends and work really well together, but I, if I was a co-captain, it would be quite difficult to differentiate what my real role is you know, amongst the team. And I think it's really good for them to have a clear – at the squad to have a clear sort of go-to for particular things. But yeah. that, I'm a tr- I'm, So I think, yes, in answer to your question, I think I'm a bit of a traditionalist in that way. But I do like the leadership groups. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm the same too. I prefer a standalone outright captain, vice-captain. I mean, not that, all the same? Not that it, there's, there's obviously nothing wrong with having co-captains at mm. all. Yes, I third the sentiment. I prefer a singular captain. So, because I like to think of this AFL Life as the people's podcast, I actually opened up Twitter and Instagram to questions. We we're previewing the season and I know that we haven't really done as much research as we should have. Standard. <laughs> so, I thought, well, what do our listeners want to know? So, we've actually had a few questions sent in. Ripper. Bring it on. We haven't heard these yet, by the way. Yeah. So, I'm going to put you on the spot. Perfect. So, um, on Twitter, at DataKid23 wants to know, I'd love to hear a considered retrospective on how the game has improved since AFLW started. Scores are climbing. Kicking long is better from what I can see. 
but there is hidden stuff too. What's happening at the next level down have those swelled ranks remained? Are we talking about ranks below AFLW? Is yeah. Is what we're talking about? That's, well, that's, that's my assumption. Yeah. yeah. I think because we have spoken a, quite a lot about VFLW level, um, but I was having a bit of a think about this this afternoon. I, I really think that – I think originally South Australia were a bit behind the eight ball when AFLW started, but then they made the shift – with their Sanford women's competition mm. and they ran it side by side, you know, through the summer with AFLW. And I reckon that's really improved the standard of footy in South Australia. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. I think it's probably one, you know, seen as definitely on par, if not sometimes ahead of AFLW now. That's a really strong league. I think the answer is the professionalism that's been brought into the lower levels. Um, even within the last probably two to three years, for example, within VFLW, as I understand it, it's lifting year by year, week by week. Mm. Um, and I think that has undoubtedly improved all over Australia at that level, with, yeah, without a doubt. And I also think the investment in the under-18s um, yep. and bringing those along and lining them up with the boys. So whatever the boys are doing, the girls are doing now, which is unbelievable. It's really great. Mm. These things, they have, they're really starting to show off. I mean, the fitness of these AFLW players is just, you know, beyond anything we could have comprehended for, you know, when it started. And I think really that comes down to the professional, the professional side of and the investment that people are actually putting in to the to women's sport, it's undeniable. And I think we have spoken about the programs and how they speak to each other now. And over the last perhaps two or two seasons, we've seen the girls who started in Auskick who have come all the way through. And so it is a swelling of the no break between footballs. Um, that we're seeing. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's at the, the lower ranks, but it's a consistent game of football that's being played, um, which then helps fitness, which helps knowing what to do in the gym. It helps knowing people in the industry as well. It's Sometimes it's about who you know and who's seen you play. I dare I say a different style of football, mm. I think. Especially from year one. That's right. Completely different. You wouldn't even – you've watched a game side by side. Just the – tactical you know positioning the strategy it's all there it's all um filtering through and it's really you know we're actually teaching women how to play more strategically and i think that's definitely starting to show and i think whilst the start of aflw the focus was on for the most part you know there was a lot of cross coders that jumped in there's a lot of people who hadn't played aflw before um and there was a lot of reliance on existing old heads to sort of carry it through and teach people how to kick a football. Can I just jump in? Because I think there are also a lot of people that hadn't coached women before too. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's just so much that's changed. So Where do you start? Changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's not even close to being the same. Yeah, because like, cause I, cause I kind of feel like the, there, was a, there were a lot of coaches in – in AFLW season one who'd never ever ever coached women before that tried to impl- implement a lot of things from the men's game that perhaps the women's game weren't used to weren't ready for yet 
I kind of feel like there's been a bit of a meeting in the middle. Mm. It's like a lot of these coaches now a bit more familiar with the women's game, but then also, as you said, Caddy, the strategy is improving in the women's game too. So it's this kind of from from both ends of the scale. And they've literally changed the rules. So to allow a different style of game. So you look at the traditional game of football versus what we've got in the women's league and it's 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 really different, but it works because it's different. Mm. Um, the 16 aside, the shorter quarters, especially given the time of year. So um, I guess they're just adapting and they will continue to adapt over the next few years as well. So, I, yeah, I can't wait to see what it'll be like in yeah. another five years. I always forget about the 16 aside till I see the round one teams and I'm like, there's back pockets missing. <laughs> and can I just say, just on the style of games being played, I think that they're hitting it, <laughs> they're hitting each other harder than ever. Like, holy crap, these mm. tackles they're putting on, I think. Um, they're fearless. There's, yes, that's what it is, absolutely fearless. And I think it's a lot of that comes down to confidence in what they're learning and what they're being taught and that professionalism and actually teaching people how to tackle and all these things that they sound so so simple but they've been missing. And when you've only got nine games a season, you have to showcase your best stuff so they are fearless and yep. they give it a real red-hot crack. Yeah. Who would you rather be tackled by, Chelsea Randall or Kiara Bowers? Jeez, oh, that's a tough I'd one. I'd be hospitalised by both of them. Both of them have like a run-up. Oof. Oh. Like so it's like I'm stationary and they're coming and they're like me. charging at you. I think Bowers for me just purely because slightly smaller <laughs> physique, and I'm a bigger gal, so maybe it wouldn't hurt so much. But I think it would still hurt. I reckon it hurt more. <laughs> I think I'd rather Chelsea Randall, and I've got no other reason other than she's really graceful to watch. <laughs> And so maybe I wouldn't be as terrified as maybe if Turbo was And you actually have been tackled have by her. <laughs> maybe you'd make the highlights reels if you got... Again. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> we've, uh, we've digressed. <laughs> Next question is from Dono79. G'day, Dono. Uh, he wants to know, with uh, this is quite a um, Melbourne Demons specific question. We, okay. I think we may have already covered it a bit. Uh, in previous episodes, but with the immediate impact of first and second year players becoming more pronounced, mm-hmm. does this somewhat temper the downside of Melbourne losing O'Day, Newman, Cordner, Jacobson, Ooh. Smith and Guerin? It's a lot when you put it in a list, <laughs> wow, isn't it? that list. <laughs> I don't think we will know until we see the team come out in round one. Of course there's going to be holes to fill, but have they filled them with up-and-coming superstars? I don't know. And I don't think we will know for a little while. But Carlton have definitely won that battle. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, uh, the Demons, they they always seem to be okay. So yeah. it will be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It will be really They lost how many people with injury last year and yeah. they still made a final? Yeah. The depth speaks. Yeah, because I, I still just think, Daisy Paxi, Lauren Pierce comes back like Shell Scott, Shell Scott, Maddie Gay, Kate Hall, Lily Mithen. Oh like, dear, it you goes know, on. It they, they bat pretty deep. I mm. think they'll be fine. Mm. <clears throat> um, next one um, at Crash Thompson, he wants to know: after last season ended with no title awarded, 
should there be a way to award the title to a team if the season is cut short? So like with a minimum qualification of completed matches? Mm -hmm. Or should the season be cut off prematurely? Could the results carry over to the following season? Oh, so we've got an extension of the 2020 season. Is that what Crash Thompson is saying? I think, I think, yeah. Yeah. Part one, part two. Yeah. Yeah. So should there be like a, what's that thing in cricket? Is it Duckworth-Lewis system? Yeah. It's like when there's a certain amount of, yep. you know, if it's. If it gets rained out or yeah. whatever. But if you've hit a num- certain number of overs, then. Personally, I think season 2020 and season 2021 are completely different. Yeah. Um, if there had not been, not have been a global pandemic of such a. Large minor. scale. Yeah, um, minor only a impact. Minor, only a minor global pandemic. Um, <laughs> maybe? No. <laughs> I think that um, it's unprecedented, that favourite word of ours, when we talk about 2020. I think that it's just unfortunately how it was and I think you can't carry that over and you can't what if because otherwise you would never stop. So, yeah. I think you leave it where it is and put a full stop on that and uh, start again. Yeah, and just have a really long memory and remember how the AFL moved heaven and earth to get the AFL men's season back up and running and finished and they pulled the pull, they pulled the life support. On one game. They had, what, two games <laughs> yeah. left? And they were like, nah. Anyway. We're preaching to the We're choir past here. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Everyone's okay. Everyone's fine. Remember that full stop I said that we need to put on the <laughs> That's season? That's a comma. Mm. <gasps> okay. So now we go to over to Instagram. We've got a few questions oh, no. there too. Oh, no. <laughs> Caleb Mal wants to know, how do you think ticketing and COVID will affect the mm. upcoming season's crowds? I think that's a really good Good question because I only noticed today or yesterday that they announced mm. tickets on sale and I know people have been anxiously awaiting to purchase tickets to round one because they want to get there and they want good seats and all of that. Um, I understand why it's happened because I think there's so much uncertainty about the rounds. Like we mentioned earlier, they could be getting shifted and whatnot. Um, I really, really hope that people just – I'd starve. I think people are really starved to watch footy. So I think, and 10 bucks is absolute peanuts to go watch an incredible level of sport. And I think it won't, I hope it won't stop people from going to games because it's, yeah, it's awesome. Well, I think it will actually, because if you buy a ticket, that means you're going to go to the game. Mm. Yes. Rather than deciding on the day. Mm. I also wonder whether you like have a tab online and you put in your credit card details and they should have a website. I don't think they do. <laughs> where you can just select the games that you want to go to and then yeah, and then lock them away. And so at least then you have bought the tickets or that actually is what they're doing, isn't it? Actually, Hiba, you were going to do some maths for me. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> cost analysis. Get your calculator out. Yeah, here. and you were going to work out if it was more beneficial for me to buy multiple club memberships or just tickets to games. Do you know what's more beneficial, Al? What? Just buying the tickets okay. and going to the games. Yep. So don't worry about how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back next time with the maths. With, with the maths. Um, 
Gab Colvin wants to know, how do you make a magpie your pet? Oh, my God. I think this is directed at you, Hibba. <laughs> Feed it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your magpie situation. During COVID, my dad befriended a magpie who then brought its friends to our backyard. And Maverick, the magpie. It's an actual bird, magpie bird. Actual bird. Not a football player. Not a football player. Maverick, the magpie, would turn up twice, maybe thrice a day (laughs) to be fed any of the following leftover meats. Not chicken. Chicken. (gasps) One of their kind. Yep. Ham. At one point there was Christmas ham. Dry saladas, but crumbled because we quickly found out that large bits of biscuit got stuck. Um, Fruit, didn't like it. Uh, So hot tip. hot Yeah, hot tip. Magpies are quite picky. Yeah. But yeah, you feed them and they'll sit at your back door and keep you hostage. Hostage how, Hibba? I could not leave my house without being, not swooped because they liked us, Mm. but harassed. Harassed. It would run after me. (laughs) Not fly, but run. Was it too heavy to fly? (laughs) (laughs) Too Too many saladas. I'll uh, send you a video, Alan. You can post it. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> Listeners will be wrapped. Next question from uh, E Cornish forty two. Which game are you most looking forward to in round one? E Cornish forty two. That happens to be my relation. Is it really? It's my cousin. It's your cousin. It's my cousin. Shout out to Eleanor. She is one of the uh... five listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say avid <laughs> listeners. I'm going to have to say that I reckon season opener, Carlton Collingwood, is one I'm most looking forward to. Well, we'll be at training, so um, enjoy oh, that. Oh, Devo <laughs> for you guys. Lucky I haven't bought my ticket, hey? <laughs> Don't buy a ticket here. We'll be at training. You'll be running another 2K. Another PB. <laughs> I have to say I think the Geelong Kangaroos game. For me, I agree. Yeah, that will be really good indicator of, I think, how the season's going to go. <laughs> I think I just think they're both really kangaroos. Can they continue on how they were going last season? Um, and the cats at home, um, yeah, with Meg Mack in charge. Let's see. Okay, Lucreus wants us to talk about the teams with new coaches: North Melbourne Tigers, Eagles, etc. Just. I don't know what to say to that, but I think we've also touched on a little bit disappointed in coaches who've been appointed from AFLM programs and who haven't potentially had significant experience with women's football. That being said, um, lots of player accounts out of North Melbourne um, seem to be very pleased with Crocker. Um at Richmond, really, really pleased with Fergus Virgo. I think they call him Fergs. I don't know. I'll just make it up. It's footy. It'd be easy to figure out. Um, yeah, so I think I will bite my tongue before I say too much and just see proof is in the pudding, I think, and see how they go. I just think um, you start to hear little whispers about cultural issues and whatnot once the season gets underway, and I think 
it would be interesting to see how those with new coaches in particular, if any of it come from those clubs. Um, and I think that's probably not really what they're after from an answer, but that's where I'm going to leave my answer. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hold my judgment till I've watched a few games, I think. And, yeah, how, how those particular teams move the ball and style of play, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think the change will be interesting to see what's changed from season to season. Yeah. Um, and that will really show. And I think whilst a lot of that will come through the leadership groups and whatnot that we've already touched on, but I think, yeah, that will be a key indicator. I'm going to hold my tongue until I'm going to say end of round four because so much happens in those first few weeks. It's quite hectic. And mm. whatever coaching panel comes to the party and – makes good logical decisions about team selection, about all of those sorts of things, how they handle maybe four losses or four wins, uh, will we'll speak, I guess, very loudly. Um, Scooby Snacks would like to know who will be getting a mullet this season. Imagine if, like, Erin Phillips went rogue <laughs> and got a mullet. Would she be even faster? Let's put it to her. Let's see if we can get it happening. Challenge somebody who's connected to Erin Phillips. Tell her to one, listen to our podcast, and two, <laughs> get a mullet. <laughs> oh, just no one's going to beat Paxi's mullet at this point. It's so it's rank. It's getting She's got even worse. And oh, Pax, what are you doing? Hey, it's memorable. She loves it. She's I'm very on, happy with it. I'm on board. Go for it. But the only the only thing, like, I just want to say. We get it now. Paxi has a mullet. <laughs> like, get off at can we stop? Social media. Can we stop with the social media and the articles and the all the photos and the? But one great thing about this mullet is that I have seen boys that I went to high school with commenting and engaging with it because they're like, "Look at this girl's mullet. How sick is that?" And then another one commented on it saying, "She's even a sick footballer." And I was like, okay, a bit of a backhanded comment, but at least you're engaging with it and I'm here for that. Well, hopefully that means people are going to the hairdresser and asking for a Paxi rather than a Dusty. And what about um, Pepper Randall? That story, was it last season with the young yeah, kid who, boy who shaved a who mullet because she was his favourite player? Like, yeah. I just think the mullet's a great leveler you know it really just brings everyone together and i exactly i encourage more players to do it go for it go erin but should they be of the standard of a paxi mullet yes if you're like if you're like the last person picked on the list should you be getting a mullet (laughs) go an exy mullet go an exy brisbane yeah that was a good one yeah yeah do that you haven't answered my question though i think (laughs) Well, I think, I think also in AFLM. Like, if you're just making up the numbers, should you get a mullet or not? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Got to show your stuff somehow. Got to get noticed. Yeah, exactly. How else is anyone going to remember you? Are you suggesting I get a mullet? <laughs> no. Might make you quicker even. We'll take a couple more seconds off that PV. That's it. Well, and and the last the last little wasn't really a question or a topic, but um, friend of the pod, Wendy Pierce just said that we could talk about anything that we like oh and that is lovely thanks Wendy and we have and we continue to (laughs) Wendy is a superstar just an angel angel and if you ever need a lift 
home. You call when or an umpire is. escort. Oh, if you ever need a lift home or an umpire escort, you call Wendy Pierce. Mm. Angel. Angel. Um, well, just to kind of wrap it up, that's that's the end of the uh, listener questions. Um, Loved them. Bring them up. Yeah, keep them keep coming, them guys. Coming. Yeah. We'll have question time each yes. week, I think. Yeah, I reckon that's great. Um, but I want to know, which player are you most looking forward to mm. seeing strut their stuff this year? Can you start us off, Al? Have you got someone in mind? I do have someone in mind, but I'm just worried that just the circumstances of the team means she might not hit her straps, but Elise Parker oh. is just looking so fit and ready to go. And I just, like, if the, if it was a level playing field and... I think you'll find that she'll stand out no matter what. She's just one of those superstars. She's one of those young players, you know, we've talked about her a fair bit last season and I think, yeah, regardless of what might happen at the Giants, I think she will stand tall. Yeah, um, but I reckon she's going to have a, just a blinder of a year. Um, but my other one is obviously Chelsea. I just, so like, praise the Lord that she's back. Yeah. I'm really keen to see G-Train from St. Kilda. She stole the one I wanted to say. I just think we didn't see everything from G-Train, even though we did. I want more. And uh, she's a superstar kick. She's a superstar body. She's a superstar flying mark. Um, Maybe she'll jump in the rack. Imagine, like, don't know. So I can't wait to see what Peter Searle does with St Kilda in general. But, yeah, so Patricios and G-Train mm. are probably my little – I'll be with their family. I heard she's flying in pre-season really? G-Train. She's been really working hard. So yeah. I'm excited too. All aboard. Yeah. We were already aboard that train big time. Yeah, you. Our big time was. So I'm going to jump back on my other fave young star, Roxy Roo. Yes. Roxy Roo. New tattoos as well. Go and have a look. Oh, love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not across that, but. Oh, I've got another one. But I, yeah, my, I just, Roxy Roo, again, stood out so much, so much potential. Who knows which, you know, Fremantle are a very strong team. They've got to be the favourites again for Premiership. Yeah, for sure. And what can she do in that team? I think it's going to be awesome. But one more person for me, uh, Perko up at the Suns. I think what a story. Back in the AFLW system, in the leadership group, she's going to do amazing things up there. She's going to have that forward line nailing shots left, right and centre. Very excited. I've got one more. Nell Morris Dalton. Looking fit. So fit. She, yeah. Damn it. It's just like a hundred and how many players in there and I want to see all of them. Nelly, yes, give her all the games. <clears throat> okay, and last question. Who's going to win the flag? Crows. Ooh, interesting. Actually, because they win it every second year, so you might be right. Um, yeah, it's on trend, so they're going to win. Frio. Yep, Frio. Frio. Frio Carlton grand I was final. Say, what about Carlton? What a what a Jeez. squad. Oh, it's gonna be a good season, guys. I'm excited. Footy oh. <laughs> is back. Footy's back. Um this has gone again way over time. Standard. <laughs> Standard. 
standard. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed our somewhat of a season preview. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. We um, promise to entertain. Probably not educate, but we'll entertain. Yeah. And uh, we will see you after round one. Take care of yourselves, everyone. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.